Good morning, baseball fans, and welcome to episode 46 of the Morning Round Trip podcast. My name is Drew Frank, joined once again by my co-host Liam Crothers. Hello and good morning. And here on August 25th, we have a plan for the Mets to return. They'll start tonight with a doubleheader. The first one kicking off at 5.10 p.m. Eastern against the Marlins, and they will play them again later tonight. But then we were also given their plan for the rest of the week and how they're going to make up that weekend of lost games against the Yankees. Pretty easy given that travel won't be much of a problem for them and they can slip games in against their crosstown rival pretty easily. But so they'll have a doubleheader this coming Friday, one game on Saturday, and then a doubleheader on Sunday. And then they're both in town next weekend. So what they're going to do is just throw in an additional game on Thursday, just a one-off game when they're both supposed to have off days because, again, they're so close they can afford to do that. So that makes sense. The Mets have had all negative tests and they are back tonight. We also got an update from Cooperstown, which a lot of people weren't expecting, but the MLB Hall of Fame has delayed their Golden Days era and their early baseball era committees. The veteran committees were supposed to have elections this year, but they will meet and vote in 2021 instead. Some people think that's because the festivities were canceled for this year. They don't want to stack too, too many people into the next election cycle. But we'll see. We'll see um, if if we get another update or explanation here. Kind of a bit off the radar, but still somewhat interesting to throw in there. And then we have all sorts of updates on injuries around the league. First off, this one's tough for a Diamondbacks team that has been struggling. They lose Merrill Kelly to the injured list, and he's been probably their best player. Him or Zach Gallen have both been really good. Kelly had an ERA of 259 through his first 31 and a third. Looked really good, but unfortunately, he hits the injured list. George Springer was hit by a pitch, and he has an elbow bruise. Seems like he'll be day-to-day. Looks like he'll avoid going on the injured list, so that's good for an Astros team that, again, has been hit hard by injuries. We got somewhat of an update on Ken Giles in the back end of the Blue Jays' pen. We haven't seen him pitch in a while. The update is that he's throwing, and he's throwing without pain, but that's pretty much the exact same update that we got about a week and a half ago when he started throwing without pain. So, not sure if he's progressed at all there. But they said there's still no timetable, and he still seems ready to return at some point this season. It doesn't seem like he's done for the year, but again, not much clarity in that report. And finally, our last update of this morning is that Jose Quintana, who was supposed to be the number four guy in this Cubs staff, will return from the IL today, as will Tyler Chatwood for these Cubs. Chatwood's going to get the start tonight. But Quintana is going to go to the pen, and something he hasn't really done too much in his career, but he'll get a different look, and they're going to keep this Cubs rotation as it is because, hey, they've been winning. And clearest example last night, the guy that took Quintana's spot in the rotation, Alec Mills, goes out there and beats top prospect Casey Mize. Cubs win last night by a score of 9-3. to And Mize, not quite as sharp as we saw him last time. And the Cubs really were able to jump on him pretty early. 
Yeah, and he was able to work through a first inning pretty cleanly. Goes three up, three down, but then he runs into a little bit of trouble in the second inning. Both runs that scored in that second came with two away after a hit-by-pitch and two singles, and one of those singles was right back up the middle, and it just happened to bounce off of Nico Goodrum's glove on the left side of second base, so that's not the best luck for Casey Mize in that situation. Eventually, Casey Mize would give up a solo home run to David Bodie, and that would close the book on him. He goes three and a third, gives up five hits with four runs, only three of them earned. He does walk two, he strikes out two as well. But we mentioned Alec Mills having taken Quintana's spot in this Cubs rotation. I thought he probably pitched one of his best games of the season. He goes seven innings, allows seven hits, but only three earned runs. He only walks one batter, and he strikes out seven. Alec Mills is a guy who isn't going to overpower you. He's going to try to get you to hit the ball on the ground. And that's what the Detroit Tigers hitters were doing for most of the night. A run that was credited to him did sneak through in the third inning on an infield ground ball. And he didn't allow a run after that until a Kristen Stewart blast into right field. Man, that ball was gone off the bat. But I mean, hey. You're allowed to give up three runs when your team puts up nine and spurring the Cubs to those nine runs. David Bodie and Javier Baez both go in three for five. Bodie with a home run, Baez with two on the day, and Javi Baez's first home run, man, he reached down and got it low and away, drove it into the opposite field corner, tucked itself over that massive wall in right center field. And I mean, if you're the Cubs, you've been winning games, and if Javi Baez starts to get hot, look out. And the Cubs, with that win, get their 11,000th win as a franchise. Only the Giants beat them to that mark. They're the second team in baseball to hit that total. Giants currently sitting at 11,179. So the Cubs got some catching up to do there. Yeah, not winning a World Series for about 100 years will do that to you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, they've got they've got a lot to look up there to try and catch up, and so do the Brewers and the Reds. We saw them in action last night, and maybe hoping to pick up some ground on the Cubs were the Brewers, but with the Cubs win, the Brewers win keeps them equal in the standings, no ground gain, no ground lost. The Brewers pick up a 4-2 win as Brett Anderson knocks off Trevor Bauer, something we didn't, neither of us saw coming, but... I also kind of expected more out of Bauer here. The The first three runs were all driven in by Justin Smoke. He started things off with a RBI double in the bottom of the first on a middle-middle 3-2 two-out fastball. And then in the bottom of the third, he had a two-run shot on a 3-2 two-out middle-middle fastball. Almost the exact same spot. The exact same context. I mean, Smoke saw that fastball and got a hold of it in his first at-bat. I don't know why Bauer goes back to that pitch, the challenging him again in his second at-bat when Smoke is a fastball hitter and has been for a long time. And he's a guy that has pretty good control of his off-speed stuff, pretty good control of his slider. Surprised me, to say the least. And quickly, it was 3 nothing for the Brewers. They would add a fourth run and... Bauer, shakiest start of his season, which doesn't say much because he had been so good, but goes six and a third, four earned against. He gives up a solo home run to Omar Narvaez later on to make it 4 nothing. and Brett Anderson was able to hold that lead, only gave up 
two runs on two solo shots, and that was about it for this one. And that home run to Narvaez also coming on a middle-middle fastball, so I'm not sure if Trevor Bauer was a little bit hesitant to lean on his off-speed stuff or if he was just not placing the fastball as accurately as he would have liked in this one. But yeah, like you said, this is a different start than we've seen from Trevor Bauer. I mean, the most hits that he had allowed in a previous start was three, which was against this Milwaukee team, and he had only allowed two runs all year. So he allows double that in a single game in just six and a third innings pitched. It's a it's a very starch contrast between how Trevor Bauer has pitched so far on the year. On the other side, Brett Anderson didn't look great, but I mean, he didn't have to against the Cincinnati Reds bats who just haven't been putting things together. Uh, he goes six and a third, five hits allowed, only two earned runs. He walks one and strikes out three. He did allow two home runs, but hey, if you're only giving up solo shots, you're usually going to be able to get away with it. The top six guys in the order we mentioned, Cincinnati struggles. Those six guys, Votto, Castellanos, Suarez, Davidson, Moustakis, and Irvin, are hitting a combined 194 on the season. For context, that's 72 for 371. And the team combined for a 201 expected batting average in this one. If you're Trevor Bauer, you probably could have only allowed three runs in this game, probably would have ended up the same way. Yeah, this one, another game where the Reds could have used some more hitting. This lineup, I mean, the one thing is that they still are just three and a half games back of the Cardinals for that second spot. And the bats have been bad. They've been disappointing. I mean, Castellano started hot, but this lineup has to hit better than they are. And you've got to hope that they wake up soon because they've been kind of treading water. But now five games under 500 for these Reds, it's it's going to be an uphill climb. And not what I was expecting from this team that I was very high on coming into this season. In the other central over in the American League, we saw Aaron Savalate hosting Kenta Maeda as the Twins visited Cleveland. And this game started quickly. After a clean top of the first, the Cleveland Indians were able to get on the board in the bottom half as Cesar Hernandez hit Maeda's third pitch of the game out of the park. So no, no hit bid for Maeda in this one. Cesar Hernandez becomes the first player in Cleveland history with leadoff home runs in back-to-back games. He's been a great addition for him, a guy that got non-tendered, a little bit under-the-radar pickup, but very good for them so far. Then we saw Nelson Cruz tie it right back in the fourth inning for the Twins. He hit an outside fastball opposite field. That gives him 11 home runs, tying him for the AL lead with Jose Abreu, just one behind Tatis for the MLB lead. This guy does not age. The Twins then almost took the lead in the next inning where a rise was being sent home and he had a great slide to plate, but a cannon of a throw from right field came in to gun him out at the plate, kept this game 1-1, and that's when Maeda would exit this game. So he finishes five innings pitched, five hits, one earned run, struck out seven, looks good. They left Aaron Savale in for another half inning, and he pitched through the sixth, ended up giving up two more runs on a two-run shot from Miguel Sano, who's been hot of late. That made the score 3-1 as he exited the game, and we would see the Indians tag on one more run as they got one off of Trevor May later on in the seventh, but that would be it. The Twins bullpen after that would shut them down, and Minnesota took this one. 
Minnesota able to edge out a win, and I think maybe sitting at home, we were probably expecting more from Maeda, but I guess if he's not throwing a no-hitter, the pitch count does come into effect. Just one of those situations where Kenta Maeda, again, goes out and puts up a pretty solid start for the Minnesota Twins, and we, we've talked about it at length, just what an acquisition he's been for this team and how important he's been. And we've also talked about the potency of this Minnesota Twins lineup. I mean, this is a team that's missing Mitch Garver, and they're still finding ways to launch balls out of the yard, left, right, and center. Nelson Cruz, like you said, just doesn't age. And man, that Miguel Sano ball, he knew it off the bat. You can see it in his reaction. He goes oppo and just flips that thing at home plate. Just an absolute shot from him. But I think if you're the Cleveland Indians in this one, you probably like to see a little bit more production after Maeda gets out of the game. You know, you understand that he's one of the best pitchers in baseball right now, just with the way he's been throwing. And you'd like to see maybe a little bit more production once he finally exits the game. But I mean, hey, full credit to the Minnesota Twins bullpen for shutting down a Cleveland offense that has been streaky of late. They have the potential to be strong, but we've also seen this Cleveland Indians team sort of be inefficient at the plate, not really put up as many runs as they probably would like. And speaking of streaky, I mean, how about Anthony Rendon? We talked on it a little bit yesterday. He's got a 13-game hit streak going right now. And in those 13 games, he's slashing 481, 537, 827. This guy, a really tough start. And before this 13-game hit streak started, he was hitting below 200. Turn that around quickly, and these Angels really need to show some life to even, you know, get themselves back into contention, but him hitting like that will be a great start. Another former MVP candidate, Paul Goldschmidt, another guy that has really kind of emerged last year in his Cardinals debut, wasn't necessarily the MVP candidate they thought they would be acquiring. But last night, he goes 3-for-4 with a home run, and he's now reached base 22 times in his last 33 at-bats. That's pretty good. Bumps his on-base percentage up to 507 on the season. And we mentioned yesterday Kyle Lewis led an OBP, but after all the time off, Goldschmidt qualified for that lead yesterday, and he took it with a 50-point lead over Kyle Lewis's 456. So that's another star that... Hopefully can keep it up as we head down the stretch. His teammate in that game pitched quite well. We were, again, mentioned disappointed that Flaherty couldn't get through two in his last start. Yesterday, we see him go five innings of one-hit shutout ball, looking like he might be back to form now that he's able to stretch out a little bit after all that timeout. And former Cardinal Albert Pujols, Hits an RBI single last night to pass A-Rod for sole possession of second place on the RBI leaderboard since they started counting in 1920. And he now trails Hank Aaron by 210. Based on his current pace, he would need to get into almost two more full seasons in addition to playing just about every day this year. He's a free agent after next year. Probably not happening, but we'll see how close he can cut that gap. We also saw Juan Soto again having a great night. Goes 4 for 5 with an RBI and a run scored. Brings his average up to an even 400 on the season. He missed time because of COVID and his team missed time because of other team having COVID. And so he's not qualified for anything. But when he does become qualified for the average stats, he will become a 
MVP candidate flat out. He would be leading the NL in both slugging and OPS, but again, doesn't have the at-bats to get to those leaderboards quite yet. But this guy, 400 watch, definitely throw his name on that list. Another guy in that conversation is DJ LeMahieu, who is still on the IL, but the Yankees, at the very least, do get one star back today, as Aaron Judge is expected to join the team as they head to Atlanta. Garrett Cole on the mound for the Yankees, and we don't have an announced starter for the Braves yet, but it looks like it might be top prospect Ian Anderson, because Freed could go today on standard rest, but they have him penciled in for tomorrow and have left today's starter blank. Anderson, a lot of Braves reporters have speculated we'll be seeing him soon. 22-year-old right-handed pitcher, number 24 on Baseball America's top 100 coming into last season. And keep an eye out, because if he debuts against Cole, that'll be a great game to watch. We're going to start our predictions there tonight. Who do you got in this one? For me, I think you have to take the Yankees in this one. Yes, they have lost three straight, and yes, they are on the road where they sit at a 500 record, but anytime you have Garrett Cole pitching for you, you have a chance in a game. He's 4-0, a 275 ERA, and 44 strikeouts. I think the Cole train powers the Yankees to a win in this one. And after getting swept at home by the Rays on Thursday, they've been sitting on that, waiting to get back in action. I agree, the motivation has got to be there, and you know the talent on the mound is there as well. Another ace goes in the Bay Area tonight as Johnny Cueto hosts Julio Urias, and San Fran starts their final series against the Dodgers this year, and they're a team that still has a good shot in that West. They're ahead of the Diamondbacks, closing in on the Rockies, and that wildcard situation is wide open. Tonight looks like their best chance to steal a game from the Dodgers. They've got their ace Cueto going against the Dodgers number five guy, and... 3-4 and four against them on the season. If they could steal one game in this series, I think they look good for the playoffs. Do you think they do it tonight? This one is pretty interesting. You have a San Francisco Giants team who has very quietly put together the second longest winning streak currently in baseball. They sit having won their last six games. But man, this Dodgers team is probably as good as they've ever been in the last decade. They've got a tremendous record right now, and Urias sitting at 2-0 with a 2-7-4 ERA. I mean, I think Johnny Cueto is good. I do, but this Dodgers offense is just so potent on any given night. I go Dodgers over Giants. I like Cueto. I think he's due for a win. You mentioned they've won six in a row. I think they do it tonight. They currently sit in that second wildcard spot, and I would like to see them try to pad that lead a little bit. And finally, we're going to go back to Miller Park, where last night we watched the Milwaukee Brewers take Game 1 over the Reds. We both had them there. Here we see Luis Castillo taking on the ace, Brandon Woodruff, tonight at 8.10 p.m. First time Castillo's faced the NL Central, surprisingly. All five of his starts have been interleague. He hasn't fared too well against them so far. I think he's back in his division. He does a little better, and I'm trusting once again in the Reds tonight. I'm not sure that Luis Castillo has instilled enough faith in me to pick the Reds once again in this one. I mean, I feel like every time we look at him pitching, we say, oh, this guy's got one of the best changeups in the game. This guy's going to be great to watch. But I mean, you look at his record and you look at the teams he's faced so far. He's faced the Kansas City Royals, who are at the bottom of the AL Central, and he's faced the Tigers twice as well. And that's four of his five starts on the season. I mean, just Given his performances so far on the year and compound that with the fact that this Cincinnati Reds team just can't manage to hit the ball as of late, 
I think I go Brewers over Reds in this one. Well, that'll be it for our show today. Check out those games and come right back here tomorrow morning for all the updates and news from the world of the MLB. You can find our show on Twitter at Trip Morning. You can find us on Instagram at Morning Round Trip. And for Drew Frank and Liam Crothers, have a great day, everyone.